$680 million deferred on Shohei Otani. What can the Mets learn from the Dodgers when it comes to deferrals? I'll break it all down on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I'll be breaking down the Shohei Otani contract with that $680 million in deferrals. I'll be talking about the contract and how the Dodgers have gotten away with one of the first segment here. In the second segment, I'll be breaking down the Mets' deferred contracts on the books currently and how they could use this strategy moving forward. And then in the final segment, I'll touch on Yoshinobu Yamamoto and how the Dodgers may just be the Mets' biggest threat to sign him after this Otani contract. I also want to note for the audio listeners, Ronnie Mauricio has gone down with an ACL. I did not know that when I hit record, but Andy Martino has reported that he has a torn ACL. I'll be breaking that down on tomorrow's show. And you'll hear me touch on it at the end of the show here. But again, I did not know the news when I recorded this episode. Also, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, it's been a rough 24 hours for me. Apologies to all of you who expect to listen to the show on your morning drive, and I wasn't there today. I deal with a little bit of a bug here, but I'm starting to feel better. And I just have spent the last 24 hours nonstop thinking about this Shohei Otani contract and how it relates to the New York Mets and if the Dodgers are getting away with something. And I just wanted to hop on the mic and talk about it. So apologies a bit for the scratchy voice. The throat's still a little sore, but I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. So let's get through these numbers here a little bit because I think the entire baseball world was stunned yesterday. When we saw the final details, yes, they announced when Shohei Otani signed with the Dodgers that a majority of his contract would be deferred, but I don't think any of us thought it would be $680 million of the $700 million deal. Otani will make just $2 million a season for the next 10 years, and then a whopping $68 million in the following 10 years as part of this deferred contract. Now, what does that mean? It means that his luxury tax hit, instead of being $70 million, it was a straight deal. Now it goes all the way down to $46 million, according to multiple reports. So it gives the Dodgers way more room to play with. Essentially, the real money value of this deal right now is a 10-year, $460 million deal or something in that neighborhood. And essentially, how they figure all that out is money today is more valuable than money tomorrow based on these contracts. Because today, you can start accruing interest on that money. And as part of this deal, he is denying interest on his $680 million. So with all of that said, based on how they calculate this stuff, again, that hit drops all the way down to $46 million. Now, everyone freaked out about this, and I was right there with you all. I did not get it. It felt dirty. It just does. It's It feels like cheating in some way, but realistically, it's just the perfect confluence of team, player, and, you know, goals that they share together because Otani wants to win. 
And Otani makes $40 million a year, at least he did last year, off the field. So he can only make $2 million right now and you know, lower that luxury tax hit down, knowing that he's got $680 million coming in the future, which he'll either collect it all or who knows, he might be a owner of the Dodgers at some point at the end of this deal because it's just going to convert and he'll be um, owning this team, on not the whole team, but a big portion of it or a minority stake, whatever it is. The point is, he is set up in the future, and right now he can just you know make two million dollars a year from the Dodgers, and he might even make more than the forty million dollars now that he went to the better market in Los Angeles, the real Los Angeles team. He might make fifty million dollars a year off the field, and if that's the case, it doesn't really matter that he's not getting paid by the Dodgers. Now, for the Dodgers, this is not new. They have deferred money on all of their recent nine-figure deals. Mookie Betts got a. 12-year, $360 million, $365 million contract. Of that, $120 million was deferred. So that took his luxury tax hit down to $25.5 million. Now you look at Freddie Freeman. He had a $162 million deal. $57 million of it was deferred. So that took his luxury tax number down to $25.8 million. They have been doing this for some time. This is just the most extreme case of it because Otani just doesn't need to get paid by them right now because of what he makes off the field. And also, this allows him to move out of California at the end of this deal and not pay taxes on that $680 million, which is massive when it comes to um, you know how much money he's going to save in that regard. Not to mention, who knows, he might get another contract at the end of this whole thing. And if he does, he's going to get whatever it is, whether it's with the Dodgers or another team, plus $68 million tacked on throughout the remainder of his career once this 10 years is up. So... This gives them Otani, Freeman, Betts. Plus, right now, currently, with how all the math shakes out, they are under the luxury tax. Now, they'll go over it. I mean, they will absolutely go over it. They're trying to spend big now beyond this. But it's genius because also they don't even see any um, penalties on on their collective bargaining tax. Um, Collective bargaining tax? Is that what it is? CBT. No, competitive balance tax. Confusing my acronym, CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement, CBT, uh, his competitive balance tax threshold there. Regardless, the deferred money won't count against them beyond this 10 years. So it takes the present day value down to the $46 million a season. But once they hit year 11, he's off of their luxury tax books. So it's not going to hurt them other than having to pay this guy, but they can set aside money now and have it sit in a bank account for him and boom. And just pay them out. It's it's really smart. Yes, it feels like some type of cheating, but a- as much as we want to say that you know it never would have happened, the Mets couldn't have signed a deal like this, it's written right into the CBA. Uh, it says, there shall be no limitations on either the amount of deferred compensation or the percentage of total compensation attributable to deferred compensation for which a uniform player's contract may provide. So this is right in the CBA. The Mets can do this. Most players aren't going to defer 97% of their salary. They want to make their money up front. So it's rare. It's really unique to Otani. It's frustrating. But maybe the Mets can learn something from this and continue to defer some contracts. They've done it with Lindor and Edwin Diaz. I want to talk about that in a minute here. Where else they could defer some contracts and how you can learn from this. The last thing I'll say on the Otani thing. Mets fans can be upset about this. But if Otani signed the exact same contract with the New York Mets, we'd be throwing a parade about it. So it is what it is, right? 
I'll talk about this from a Mets perspective in a minute. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. $150 if your team wins. Told you guys on Monday, throw $5 down on the New York Giants over the Packers if they won. You get the $150 of bonus bets. Don't know if any of you did that, but if you did, worked out great for you. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. You got the NFL action, college football playoffs, and the NBA right now. So many different things to choose from. And remember, again, $5 winning money line bet. Get $150 of bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you don't want to miss out on any of the latest Mets news this offseason, make sure you become a Locked On Mets Insider. This is our texting service where I can send you updates anytime something breaks on the Mets or if I have a hot take or I want to share an update on the show. You can also text me back and forth so you can send me any questions, comments, all that good stuff. It's been a lot of fun getting to know some of the everyday listeners a little bit better. But I appreciate all of you who subscribe. You can find a link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. Now. The New York Mets had deferred contracts, famously with Bayou Bonilla, but even in recent years. Francisco Lindor had $50 million deferred on his $341 million contract. That took his luxury tax hit down from $34.1 million to $33.8 million. It's not a massive difference, but it helps a little bit. Edwin Diaz had $26.5 million deferred from his $102 million contract. Now, this took his luxury tax hit from $20.4 million down to $18.6 million. So pretty sizable difference, right? This is a way that you can obviously manipulate the luxury tax a little bit, but you have to get the players to agree to it. So as much as it's great to think, all right, the Mets should start doing this, not many players they're going to look to sign are going to accept a $2 million salary. I mean, it's just not realistic, especially if they have to live in New York, right? So what you can do is you can defer chunks of it and on a big deal, it could make some sense. So I had an uh, initial thought about all of this. I said, all right, the Mets haven't really approached Pete Alonso about a contract. Deferrals are going to be on everyone's mind. Maybe when they meet, let's just say spring training, Scott Boris gets in a room with uh, David Stearns. Could they get a deferred contract across the finish line better than a straight contract? Christopher Soto of Metsmerize is great with crunching all these numbers. He's into the accounting side of baseball. You can find him on X at Soto C803. And I was going back and forth with Christopher today because, for one, I wanted to learn a little more about the Otani deal, which I've shared with you guys um, on the show so far. But also, we were talking about Pete Alonso, and apparently earlier this offseason, he proposed a deferred contract for Alonso, and I think it makes a lot of sense. An eight-year, $230 million deal with $60 million deferred. That would take his CBT hit, down to $24.5 million. So you go from you know, a contract that in straight value would pay you know, closer to $28 million all the way down to $24.5 million. And the present day value of that contract would go from $230 down to $196. But for Alonzo, he gets assigned the third largest deal ever for a first baseman behind Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. And his AAV 
that's after you know the present day value calculations when it's at 24 and a half million will be the second highest ever behind only Miguel Cabrera and it would be ahead of Freddie Freeman so I think that's a deal that would probably push Alonzo to sign honestly um you know I've sort of in my head thought of an eight-year 200 million dollar contract as the sweet spot of a deal I'd like to see the Mets sign but if Alonzo wants a little bit more you defer all that money you kind of satisfy what you think is a fair value but Alonzo gets a little extra money on the back end of it. It could work out for everyone. The Mets could also use a deferred contract on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Now, who knows if they're the only team that would structure a contract that way. He's not going to take $2 million per season by any stretch of the imagination. But let's just say you have to give him $350 million to get him to sign. But you can defer $100 million of it. Now, I don't know if he'd be willing to do that, but it would take the present day value down. So his luxury tax hit wouldn't be as high, but he would be able to get more money overall. It's an option. Really, though, I think the deferred contracts are so unique to Otani as far as being able to manipulate luxury tax in that way. I mean, yes, you can probably save yourself a couple million dollars here, a couple million dollars there. You're just like the Dodgers have done on Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. That's what you can see more likely, right? Like that type of, deferral structure where they save some millions, but not a drastic, you know, 20, was it $24 million that they're saving when it comes to if he was to be paid, Otani was to be paid 70 million compared to 46 million per year. So honestly, I don't think that this changes the entire game. I don't think that they outlaw this. Um, I don't think there's as much of a fallout that all of us are sort of hoping and predicting for right now. I think that everything sort of remains status quo because there's just not going to be other players that are going to be willing to take, you know, 97% of their salary and defer it. It just does not happen. It's unique to this one guy and his circumstances that are, you know, completely alone to himself because he is the greatest player potentially in MLB history, maybe the most talented, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, one of the most marketable players ever also. So we'll see. I, I do think the Mets should consider a structure like that for Alonzo um, to sign him to a deal. I think they should, you know, consider that for Yamamoto if it could lower that luxury tax number because if they end up paying them, let's just say it's 10 years, 320, right? And the luxury tax hit is $32 million a year. That's a lot of money. If it was the $350 million contract where you give them more money long-term, but you defer $100 million of it. I don't have the math in front of me, but I imagine that would probably take things down below that $32 million. Um, I don't know what the present-day value of it would be. I don't know what he values, right? I don't know if he wants that present-day value as high as possible, if he just wants as much guaranteed money, or if he cares more about where he's playing and you know who's going to best help him win. And if that's the case... Well, the Dodgers are are now looming as a pretty scary threat to sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto to pair with Shohei Otani potentially in that rotation starting in 2025, but just on that team, which is looking like a juggernaut for this upcoming season. I want to talk about their threat now to the Mets when it comes to the Yamamoto pursuit. We'll get to it in a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors.
Locked On has launched the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube covering all the latest in the world of sports with our local experts covering every team and our league-wide experts covering every league. You don't want to miss out on any of the sports action of the day. Make sure you head over to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. Now, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the sweepstakes are here. Teams are meeting with him this week. There was a lot of concern yesterday because uh, Andy Martino had a little footnote on his article about the Yankees meeting Yamamoto. The New York Mets did not have a meeting scheduled for this week. But remember, they met with him with David Stearns and Steve Cohen in Japan. So that was probably, you know, as a face-to-face meeting, um, considered their first meeting. And I would not be worried just yet. I still think a second meeting could absolutely come. He's doing his preliminary rounds. He met with the Giants on Sunday, Yankees. I think he's supposed to meet with the Dodgers, the Giants. Um, I just said the Giants, didn't I? Jeez. Regardless, I think I think the teams, as I remember off the top of my head, it's Giants, Yankees, Dodgers, Blue Jays, um, and there could be a couple others to get meetings throughout the week. This thing could push all the way up until Christmas. We really don't know yet. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a resolution by the end of this week. But the Dodgers really do loom large now because, as I said, they're not even a luxury tax team right now because of how they've been able to manipulate things. Now they're, I think, around $20 million shy of it. They're going to go over. There's been some reported interest in Josh Hader and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And I imagine they will you know, land some, some big-ticket free agent. Um, I will say that they could go the trade route. I mentioned on, I think, Saturday's show that I did how – I thought that the maybe it was Monday show. Regardless, I mentioned how I thought Tyler Glass now was more likely because they could trade for him. They could have him for one year. They could see what happens on Otani. He's going to be able to pitch in 2025 and then, you know, attack the 2025 free agent class that has so many arms. But they might love the idea of Yamamoto. And who knows? Like in those conversations with Otani and the Dodgers, he might have said, go get Yamamoto. He's an amazing pitcher. And let's defer all this money so that you can you know, put forth your best effort to land him. And he might have had some inside information knowing that Yamamoto would love to be a Dodger. So I am concerned that they are going to end up with the two biggest ticket free agents of this offseason. And they're going to sign Yamamoto. Although I will say there's part of me that would feel better about that than him signing with the Yankees. I don't know what that is. I guess it's just being a Mets fan. Um, but yeah, if they strike out here... Um, the Mets are going to have to pivot. And I mean, we're, we're hearing now there's some rumor and interest in Seth Lugo. So, you know, maybe you end up signing Seth Lugo and show to Imanaga and you just sort of shore up your rotation and go into more of a transitionary year. Maybe you end up getting Jordan Montgomery and Seth Lugo. And that's a pretty solid rotation. If you ended up with, um, you know, Kodai Senga, Jordan Montgomery, Seth Lugo, Jose Quintana, and Luis Severino, it's not bad. It's not bad. The Mets have to be aggressive. They have to land some starting pitching, and I expect they will. But Yamamoto, I I think the Mets can put the best offer in front of him. I just don't know if he's going to be a Met. And that's a, a show that I'll probably do this week, just looking at if the Mets are even considered a free agent destination anymore. feels like all the goodwill they built up in 2022 has been eroded with what they did in 2023. And we'll learn, you know, soon enough. If if they can't land Yamamoto and they had the best offer on the table, it'll be pretty telling, you know. And and Otani never even wanted to meet with the Mets. Now that's, you know, probably because he didn't want to live in New York City and deal with the New York media. Get that? 
Um, but Steve Cohen went out and pretty much said, hey, they never called me, so I couldn't pursue him, which is fair. Um, one other thing, Ronnie Mauricio, he went down with a knee injury. It does not look great. Um, this was playing in the Dominican Winter League. Uh, he has come back to New York for further evaluation. He has been pulled from their roster. Um, we don't know yet, and I will uh, certainly update you. Hopefully we do get um, some news on that later tonight, and that will maybe be what tomorrow's show is about. But it seems like there is a decent chance here that this could be some type of a torn ligament in that knee. It's too early to speculate for sure, but he was you know, trying to steal a base, grabbed his knee, Went down, um, did walk off the field, but you know had a couple guys assisting him on each on each side to do it. So I, I don't know, and I wonder how that might change what the Mets think about at third base. Right? They have said previously they're good with their internal options, but if Mauricio goes down and he's down for a significant portion of this upcoming season, and you're left with Brett Beatty and Mark Fientos, do the Mets still trust those guys, or do they look to add a stopgap to help them out? I mean, they already added Joey Wendell. So maybe they feel good about Wendell and Beatty and, and Vientos, but that's definitely a story to monitor. And again, if we get news on that tonight, that'll probably be tomorrow's show. Anyway, uh, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. Again, apologies for the scratchy voice, but I think I got through this one okay. appreciate all of you who sent me well wishes about being sick. Definitely feel a lot better. Hoping I'm 100% uh, by tomorrow. As always, though, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Follow me on XF Finkelstein Ryan. If you want to be a Locked On Mets insider, you can find the link in the episode description. Now the show's done. Check out Locked On Sports today for your 24-7 streaming coverage on everything going on in the world of sports.